Good morning, everybody. My name is Jeremy. Happy Easter to you. I'm the pastor here. And I just want to give you a couple of ways that you can be connected or get connected or stay connected uh, here at Midtown Creve Hall. If you're brand new this morning, uh, if you're visiting, if you're from out of town, welcome. And, uh, and if this is your 10th Easter or however many Easter's we've celebrated as a congregation, uh, welcome to you as well. This is, this is one of those Sundays that uh, can capture our imaginations in a new way if the Spirit will so move. So and we ask that he would this morning. A couple of things. One, there's a QR code on the back of the chair in front of you. If you would like to know what in the world this place is, what we're about, what we believe, what we do, uh, then you can scan that QR code, and that's a way to tell us if you'd like more information from us. That's a way to get involved, register for events coming up, like the two that I'm about to tell you about. And uh, that's also a place if you're interested in being involved in our small group ministry, which is one of the primary things that we collectively do as a church to move towards uh, walking towards Jesus together. Two things that are coming up that are super important and super fun. The first is today. So you actually can't register for this one because it's all you got to do is walk right down that hill. Uh, you don't need a QR code to go there. And there's an enormous amount, a ginormous amount of Easter eggs that are strewn all across the backfield back there. Uh, my children pelted me with some of them this morning. So there's little clusters wherever I was standing. Uh, so if you find those, you get extra bonus points. If they have some of my blood on it, uh, then you win. There are also two golden eggs that are hidden that have something extra special in there. So uh, thank you, Casey Chilson and crew, for putting those out this morning. There's also going to be cake, so I invite you to come and continue the celebration right down the hill um, right after the service. Secondly, in just about a week and a half, there's these flyers in the back with also a QR code on the back to register. Uh, this is a seminar that we have coming up called Raising Worry-Free Kids. And it's a recognition that anxiety is a, a difficult part of life, not only for adults, but for our children also. But some of the ways that we manage our own anxiety as we're helping either our own children or other children that we love that are in our families, that are in kid town as we're serving, whatever the case may be, to know how to help them walk through their own emotion uh, is what Sissy Goff is especially wonderful at helping us to do. So if you ever heard of Sissy, she has a ministry uh, in town that is blessing a lot of people, especially in the events of the past two weeks. Uh, and so I invite you, there's about 250 people signed up for this thing already. We've got capacity for about 400 in this room. So uh, you may want to go ahead and jump on that if you so desire uh, to come because we may run out of space. With those couple of things said, uh, I want to ask you, kiddos, I'm going to try to preach a sermon to you at the same time as I'm preaching a sermon to the big people in the room. Because it turns out that emotionally and uh, mentally, we may not be all that different than our own kids. Right? So kids and adults too, this will be, be fun to hear your different reactions. Who loves bedtime? Every parent, yeah, every parent's hand in the room goes up and every kid's head goes down. <laughs> right? What's no fun about bedtime, kids? It's no fun because you have to stop. Right? The fun ceases. It's time to stop. It's time to rest. It's time to wait. 
And those are like three of the most boring words in the history of the world. What we're walking in the middle of between Good Friday and Easter is like the fun was over. Bedtime came. The end of the world as all of Jesus' friends and followers knew it had come. He was dead. If you were here on Good Friday, we remembered together that Jesus, fully God and fully man, died. And we sat in the reality of what that means, what that meant in his experience, and what that means for us today. But his disciples weren't ready for him to stop. They, they had tons of plans. The fun wasn't supposed to be over. He was supposed to be a king. He was supposed to bring peace. He was supposed to bring blessing. And now all of a sudden, he was gone. What do we do with that? Well, it's been three days. Maybe we'll just go pay our respects. We'll go to the tomb. And what this group of women found as they were the first to walk upon this crazy end of the story was not anything like they would have expected. So, Susie Nash, would you now continue our story? Give it up for Susie. There you go. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The word of the Lord. Thanks for your God. Thank you, Susie. This whole account reminds me of some, something that Psalm Chapter 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Weeping is this temporary reality that each of us face in this life. Just like bedtime, though, it's not forever. There's this momentary place where difficulty, tragedy, sorrow, suffering, pain is a reality in our life. Kids, you know this, the difficulty that it is to go to school every day and come back home with homework. Blah. Such a drag. The difficulty of our life will not end in this life, but joy is inevitable. 
One of the key words, really the key word that I want you to key in on from this passage today, we're just going to focus on that one word. Their experience, the experience of these women was an experience of great joy. Mega joy. Overinflated joy. And so here's how we're going to do this. You see me keep messing with this thing. Kiddos, uh, inside your blue bag, you will find one of these little eggs. Go ahead and pull that out. While you're doing that, does anybody not have one? Anybody not have one? Adults? Yeah, I got plenty. I got so many. Here you go. There's one. There's another. Yep, there's one. Who else? Oh, one there. Oh, thank you. Anybody else? Here, here, here. Oh, yeah. What says? One more? Yep, yep. There's one. There. Oh, heads up. Coming for you. Who else? Oh. Oh, way in the back. Way in the back. Going for it again. Here we go. Yep. Who else? Who else? Who else? Oh, yeah. This is exactly what I was hoping would happen. Yes. Oh. Oh, for real? Way back in the room? Yes. There's way more of you than I expected. We spent 20 minutes just handing eggs out. Who else? Oh, that happened. Who else? Holy moly. All right. We're going to have to call it in a minute. Oh, you got so many. Coming in the back. Let's go. Okay. Woo, that was a good one. Thank you. Refill. Okay. If anybody else wants one, I'm going to leave some up here. Would you do me a favor? Could you go put this basket back there with... Uh, just put it on the ground right there by Mr. Dave's feet. Perfect. Okay. Now, let me pray. This ends the sermon. All right, here's what I want you to do. Just in case that wasn't chaotic enough. Everybody who has an egg, hold it up. Okay. Easter is about joy. How in the world does an egg have anything to do with joy? You, do you know the story of the Easter egg? Neither do I. But here's what I do know to be true that it can symbolize. The, the empty Easter egg is this symbol of an empty tomb, which is the best possible gift you could get. And so the empty tomb of Jesus produces joy in our lives. That's the one point that we're going to try to get across with all the chaos that is now happening. So here's what I want you to do. Every time you hear me say the word joy, I want you to hold your egg up in the air. Okay, so let's practice. Easter is about joy. Because at Easter, even the worst thing that happened to us, that is our very own death, becomes untrue. Easter is about joy. You got it. Because the Bible even talks now about death differently. Have you ever noticed how when Jesus talks about death, he talks about it like sleeping? Even in the Old Testament, 
they use the word to sleep. Like when Jesus is about to raise Jairus' daughter, this little girl who had died from an illness, he says, no, 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 she's no, she's not dead, though she was very much dead. She's just sleeping. Even the worst possible thing that could happen to us, death, has now been turned to just a nap. Something that because Jesus woke up from his own death, so you and I entrusting in the Lord Jesus, because he went that direction, because he woke up, so now we can go the same way. And if that's true, if the worst thing in the world, death, is now untrue, then we can trust that everything else is also becoming untrue. Every other sad thing now is becoming untrue also. Okay, two quick points. One, weeping in the night, weeping for the night. Two, joy in the morning. Because in cons- you nailed it! Good job! Joy in the morning. Just testing, just testing. Good. Okay, let's, let's think for a minute about what the women were expecting. These women were some of those who were standing literally at the foot of the cross looking as their best friend, their Lord, their Savior, their leader was now the the promised Messiah, the promised King as life was slipping out of his body. As blood and water flowed out of him, watching him become more and more limp. And the breaths get shallower and shallower and shallower, eventually completely giving himself up. They watched this. They watched a soldier stab him in the side. There was no possible way that he was just sleeping. There's no possible way that he was in some sort of coma. This guy was dead. They had seen it. They had walked him to the empty tomb. They had placed him there. And now three days later, they walk. Uh, Luke says they had spices, so perhaps they were going to go anoint the body or anoint the area, kind of like, you know, we would go bring flowers to a grave of a lost loved one. And that's all they're expecting to happen. And so here they go and they're walking. And then the next thing that they know, there is a whole other scene than they expect. Because as Jesus died, all of their hopes of what he would do died with them. And now they are just in this aimless loss this confusion of mourning. But here's here's what's interesting about joy. The Bible Project, if you're familiar with these videos, they're on YouTube, they're wonderful. Uh, They have a a whole four and a half minute video about the word joy. (laughs) This is how they define joy. You're getting lazy. Joy is a lasting emotion that comes from a choice to trust that God will fulfill his promises. That means that we can have joy even when it doesn't seem like his promises are being fulfilled. In fact, that's part of the definition. Is at some of our darkest moments, joy can still be present. Because joy does not depend on our current circumstance. Joy, you're doing great, depends on truth and reality and objective history that has already happened. Namely, the cross and resurrection. 
Okay. So we're going to do a little exercise. Kids, you ready? Just trying to keep you engaged. All right. So I want you to think of a time that something surprising has happened to you. Can anybody think of a time when something surprising happened to you? Raise your hand. Got one? Okay. Let me come around. All right. Tell us. When a skunk appeared in our yard. <laughs> Did you hear? She said, when a skunk appeared in our yard. Now, was that like happy surprise or was that like scared surprise? Funny surprise. Okay, any more? Any more? Um, when a snake shedded its skin in like a tree by our house. Yeah. Was the snake still there? Okay, good. More? 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 Don't embarrass me. <laughs> this is my son. <laughs> Moving to Tennessee. That was surprising. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was surprising to me too. All right, lady girl. Surprise fort. Hudson built you a surprise fort? Aww. What? That's the coolest thing ever. Okay, a few more. A few more. We're going to go to the back. Going to the back. Here we go. Right here. When my mom and dad gave me my NSC soccer shirts. Yes! Go NSC! pop-up camper and uh, we had too much weight on one side and we just fell. Oh. Did you really? <laughs> Last night. <laughs> I'm so glad you're okay. Um, when I got, I went, I got my first best um, throw for my football at the stadium. Oh yeah. Best throw at the stadium. Good work. Wonderful. Okay. I think the point's been made. Here's the point. What these women were experiencing is in one of their times of deepest despair, they experienced something so shocking, so surprising, like a snakeskin in a tree, like your best throw at a football game, like a Nashville soccer club jersey that you weren't expecting. There's something so much better than what they expected. Joy is multiplied even in the darkness. When you thought you failed a test and you got an A. When you thought you burned the cake and it actually turned out perfect. When you thought you really messed up a relationship and what you find is forgiveness and love. Some of those darkest times in our lives can be filled with joy. And so this is what the women experience. And so you see it in here. There's an angel of the Lord that rolls down and this earthquake happens. A giant stone shakes because of an earthquake and rolls away. And then he just kind of sits there. Like there's something almost goofy about this, this scenario. And it's in the same way that Jesus, when he shows back up, do you see what he says? He's just like, hey, 
What's up? Like that word, when he says greetings, that's just like the normal way to say hi to somebody. And so he's not like, ta-da! He's like, hey. There's something so nonchalant but so amazing that's being brought up here. And he sits on the stone, and then he says, don't be afraid. Very typical angel thing to say. If you're familiar with angels talking in the Bible, a lot of times they say don't be afraid because there's typically fear. Like, have you ever been uh, skiing without sunglasses or goggles? Like, you know how bright that is when it's a super bright sunny day? It says that was what the angel looked like. Like, it was that bright you had to obscure your vision. And it even says, notice the difference between what happens to the soldiers and what happens to the women. It says the soldiers, these like gruff, battle-ready soldiers, they either faint or go into shock or some kind of something. It says they become like dead men. But then it says that these women almost were like drawn in. What is happening? What is going on? And the angel sort of like disregards what's happening with the, the guards over there. And he speaks to these women and he says, don't be afraid. I know you're here for Jesus, but he's not here. Now get this. Joy, boy, you're sleeping. Come on. Joy, one more time, in the back, joy can handle our doubts. Because as you might expect, these women are super confused at this point. Everything that they expected just got turned on its head. They'd been massively surprised. And then all of a sudden, they are invited in further. Notice the, the stone was not rolled away from the tomb for Jesus' sake. Jesus already wasn't there. So why was the stone rolled away? It was rolled away to invite these women to investigate. The past few weeks have been miserable for many of us. Doubt, I'm sure, has crept up in many of our hearts. How could a good God allow such evil? Joy can handle our doubts and even be a thread through them. Because God does not say, just take my word for it and keep smiling. He says, come in, come near, look around, notice, investigate. Jesus is not here because something amazing has happened. Because mourning, weeping, sadness, sorrow comes for a moment, but joy comes in the morning. And so collectively what we're doing is along with these women, along with Mary Magdalene and another Mary who we're not sure exactly which one of these Marys it was, are investigating the tomb, the empty tomb, we are now collectively being invited at Easter to investigate this empty tomb and to ask this question. Not only did Jesus die, like as a historical fact in the past, Albert Einstein even came to that conclusion. Einstein said, uh, he was once asked, do you accept the historical existence of Jesus? He said this, unquestionably, no man can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth 
is filled with such life. We can even believe that, yeah, something may have happened way back then. I think there was a historical Jesus and maybe he died on a cross, but that's not the end of the question. That's the beginning. The end of the question is, did he die for you? Meaning this. Mary Magdalene first met Jesus when she was possessed by seven demons. Whatever in the world that looked like, I'm not sure. Here's what we do know, though. When she met Jesus, something changed. When she met Jesus, evil was cast out. When she met Jesus, death turned to life. So she was very well acquainted with darkness. She was very well acquainted with evil. She had seen it face to face and even experienced it inside of her. The question is not, did Jesus die? But do I experience a darkness and an evil even inside my own self that causes me to say, Jesus must have died and he must die for me. Why? Because to investigate the empty tomb means to investigate why did Jesus die? Because the death of Jesus was assuming, it was doing something. And what was it doing? The death of Jesus was taking all of the sin of the world, taking all of the sin that I have brought into the world, all of my evil, all of my darkness, all of my brokenness. And he is taking that on himself and experiencing the shame of that. Experiencing the sorrow of that, experiencing the grief of that, experiencing the yuck of that, and experiencing the separation from God that I deserve because of the evil that I have brought into this world. And to recognize that I can't work my way into God's favor any more than Mary Magdalene could work those seven demons out of herself. She had to be approached by a holy and righteous and good God and cleansed. That's what the cross is. It is a cleansing of sin. But not only that, to investigate the tomb, the empty tomb, also means to investigate why is Jesus not dead anymore? Because if Jesus had stayed dead, there would be no reason for any of us to be in this building because he can't do anything for us dead. But as a living savior, as a living hope, one who's gone through death and into life, if he's beaten death at its own game, then our own sin and our own darkness and our own evil that continues to sit on our shoulders, our own guilt that we experience when we mess up, the brokenness that we find in our lives, we can hope and find joy in the reality that even those things are coming untrue. So, here's how C.S. Lewis described it, and we'll close up. The empty tomb brings joy in this way. In his book, Miracles, Lewis says, The New Testament writers speak as if Christ's achievement in rising from the dead was the first event in a whole new history of the universe. He is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced open a door that has been locked since, death, uh, since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different 
because he has done so. This is the beginning of the new creation. A new chapter in cosmic history has been opened. Kids, have you ever beaten a video game? Like, for me, when I beat Super Mario back in the day, there's that moment that, like, all of a sudden, all the evil that was in the Mario, Bowser's ruling over all things, and all of a sudden, there's, like, all the clouds break, there's peace in the land, everything is right with the world. There is that idea that is happening here. The resurrection of Jesus brings this peace, this new life, this shalom, this joy that nothing can now conquer because, again, if he has beaten death, then so too will he bring us new life in all the little deaths that we experience, in all the sorrows, in all the madness, in all the pain, in all the evil, both that we perpetrate and that is perpetrated on us. So I want to do this. Look at the last verse of in Christ alone that we just sang. This is the hope that we can now walk into. Like, just inhabit a world in your head for a moment where these things are actually true. What would it look like if there was no guilt in life for you? What would it look like if you could walk forward knowing that there is no fear in death? That is the power of Christ working through you. What would it mean that from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands your destiny? Not a hair on your head, not an hour of your day is not constantly in the care of your Savior Jesus. No power of hell, no sting of man can ever take me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. So we've done an exercise over the past few weeks, if you've been with us, and if you haven't, let me catch up. Uh, we took index cards and wrote, what is one thing you want Jesus to make new in you right now? Could be inside you, could be in your life. And then we rolled those things up and we left them at the back of, the craw- or the back of that room as we left the Good Friday service. This is the hope of the resurrection. That all of those places that you desire to see Jesus make new, he is in process of doing it. That those ashes are being made into beauty. And that joy is inevitable. Let's pray. So Jesus, we so long to more and more live like this were true. Because so much of our life just does not feel this way. So much of our experience feels so much more like death and sorrow and pain and suffering than it does new life. And so even right now, we, we bring to you all of those things that we desire for you to make new. There's all kinds of ways that we want to be made new in ourselves. There's all kinds of things that we wish were different about us. There's all kinds of things that we wish were different about our lives. But if it really is true that joy is a lasting emotion that comes from a choice to trust you to fulfill your promises... If you have so fulfilled this promise that you gave to your disciples to rise and or die and three days later rise, if you fulfilled that promise, 
then so you will fulfill every promise to be with us until the end of the age. And so would you draw all of us to yourself? Would you draw all of us into a deeper communion of the reality that we have a living Savior who ever lives to intercede for us? We pray this in Jesus' name.